Within you there exists a source of infinite divine energy which will enable you to do supernatural things if you allow it to work within you. The ancient Greeks called this power Energeia and I believe it is alive and well with us to this day. My name is James D. Newcomb. Welcome to the show. Well, maybe I misunderstood a little bit of what she said, but that's part of the message from Judy Arnall, who we heard on this on this podcast a few weeks ago. We were talking about unschooling, and I actually found myself asking more questions about parenting when we, in our discussion on unschooling, and it turns out that Judy has also written not the book on parenting, but she's written a book on parenting, and it's a very good book. It's titled Discipline Without Distress, 135 Tools for Raising Caring, Responsible Children Without Timeout, Spanking, Punishment, or Bribery. Judy, it's nice to have you back. Thanks for having me back. And I've actually written a book myself. It's it's about writing short, succinct book titles. Can I share it with you? <laughs> Just kidding. I wish that wasn't so long because that was my first book and I learned it was a mouthful. <laughs> okay. 135 tools. How did you come up with that number? There are actually 135 tools in there. It's a lot, but you know, you have different tools for different ages. Um, most books cover from zero to age five, and my book covers from zero to age 20. So you need more tools in your toolbox. How many tools do you need from zero to age five? Probably, you know, three. Which are? Childproofing, supervision, and offering choices. Offering choices. Yeah. Just because children's brains aren't that well developed yet. So you're, you just have to manage the environment, I think, more than the child. Well, I found that I found your book very interesting because I grew up looking back at my childhood. It was very healthy. But there, but it was also there were times where there was punishment. I don't look back at my childhood with any regret or resentment. <clears throat> I know that my parents they had good intentions. Uh, they they meant well, and I, 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 I don't I'm not bitter towards them in any way for spanking me when I did wrong. And so I I just want to I, I'm just interested in hearing your take on parenting because it's different from what I experienced and probably different from what a lot of people have experienced in their childhoods. If you could just maybe give us a little bit of a background of the book, your own parenting journey, maybe ways that it differed, like your parenting style now differs from your own childhood. Yes. And you know what? I agree with you. Um, most parents have very, very good intentions. They but without any parent education or knowledge of current research, um, parents tend to revert back to how they were raised, especially under stress. Um, I know, I've been there. Um, like you and like many, many people, we have been raised with at least spanking and other forms of punishment. Um, right now, the current punishment is timeouts and taking away technology. And um, parents, 85% of parents use punishment to guide their children's behavior, in spite of the research stating that 
punishment is ineffective in building relationships. Um, so I was raised with spanking and um, I grew up and I remember through the teen years, I was so angry at my parents because they wouldn't listen. They would just punish. And that contributed to a bad relationship. Of course, relationships could get better in the 20s and 30s. But the parents who are so scared of the teen years wonder why. And it's usually because they choose punishment to, to guide behavior. So when I had my first child, I decided absolutely I'm not going to spank. Um, and I did once. <laughs> and he was four years old and he he turned to me crying and he said, Mommy, hitting people hurts people. And I, you know, something I had said to him. So he threw it back at me and he was totally right. So that was the last time I, I did any spanking. And my partner, too, he, he didn't spank. But we did use punishments like timeout and consequences and things like that. And then I noticed when my kids reached about age seven, eight, it was affecting our communication. They wouldn't come to me with problems because they'd be fearful of being punished for things. Um, they wouldn't um, talk about their feelings to me. And I thought, this isn't good. I, I do want open lines of communication. I do want my kids to come to me when they need my help and advice to solve a problem. So we dropped all punishments then. Um, so my youngest three, my oldest two had experienced timeouts, but my youngest three have never been punished. So <laughs> my, my claim to fame is I've raised five teenagers, four boys and a girl, without taking away technology, without taking doors off their rooms, without grounding them. Although they're introverts, I think grounding would have, they would have actually liked that. <laughs> right. yeah. But without any punishments. And I have to say the teen years were the best years. It was so fabulous, the relationships we had then and that we have now because of not using punishment. When my son was born, I made the decision that I was going to spank, but I was going to, I wasn't going to do it out of anger or just out of like, I'm frustrated. And so I'm just going to take out my frustrations on you because you're, you're essentially getting on my nerves. I thought that that was a sign of immaturity in my opinion. Um, when my first wife and I separated and we divorced, I decided spanking is out of the question. I'm not going to do that. I didn't, the, the boy's got enough going on in his life right now without having to worry about his dad hitting him on the butt when he does something wrong. And I want to get your take on this because I've heard very good um, explanations or ways of doing spanking that are actually very healthy from, from what I understand. It's when the child has done something that they know is wrong they violated a rule of the house, or maybe uh, it's a if it's a religious household, they've violated uh, one of God's laws, and so they need to face consequences for their actions. And the way they do it is very intentional. It's very thoughtful. Uh, the father, it's usually the father that does the spanking. He'll say, "Okay, now little Sally, I, I 
I don't want to do this, but you know that you've done what you did was wrong and there are consequences for your actions. And it's a very thoughtful, it's a very uh, deliberate, intentional way of raising children. What are your thoughts on something like that? I, I hear those arguments all the time too. And um, there are holes in those arguments. Um, and, and let's use an example when I, I talk about one example in my book, Parenting with Patience. And it's when my youngest son, who is very strong-willed, he wanted some chips before dinner. And I said, no, we're going to have dinner soon. No chips. So he took a big bag, Costco-sized bag of chips from the cupboard up to his room. I didn't see this happening. And um, he was so mad, he opened the bag and poured the chips all over his carpet. And then he proceeded to stamp every last one of those chips into his carpet. And I like using this example because um, this is when parents, even parents who vow not to spank, pull out the big guns. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> deliberate disobedience is, we're angry at that, right? Now, you are an amazing, if you can control your anger and spank not in anger, but um, if I was a spanking person, I would have gone out there and gave him a few good wallops. Absolutely. But I didn't because we have to model self-control to our kids. That's where they learn it from. And one of us needs to be in control. He was out of control with his anger. I had to stay in control. And for me, taking a time out to deal with my anger was the best thing at that moment. I am modeling to him how adults deal with anger. Throwing chips all over a rug is not the way to deal with it. It's a four-year-old kind of way, but not the way I want to teach him. Now, um, would spanking have shown him how to handle his anger or how to solve the problem of the chips all over the carpet? So, and I'm not saying that I'm permissive and let him off the hook. You know, taking a time out means that I'm not going to deal with it in the moment. I'm just going to get a grip and then I'm going to come back and there are going to be consequences. When I say consequences, I don't mean consequences meant to hurt. I What kids need to know is how to fix things, how to make things right, how to make restitution. So for him, one of the first things is clean up the mess. So I taught him how to clean up the mess. And with all my kids, I made sure they knew how to fix things and make good for things. If they break their friends' toys... I show them how to pay for it or replace it. If they <clears throat> deliberately, you know, wreck somebody's, a little kid's sandcastle at the beach, I taught them, here is how to fix it, how to make it better. Focus on solving the problem, not focus on paying for what they did, um, but focus on how to make things better. And and that is called discipline. That is not punishment. Discipline is meant to teach how to fix. Punishment is meant to hurt for past retributions. So punishment is is like an act of vengeance. You've hurt me, and I'm going to hurt you. Yes. And, and I'm not trying to. I'm not going to 
try to argue with you or try to change your mind. But I think uh, the people that I've heard advocate for spanking in the way that I described is it has the same goal. Take control of your emotions. Explain to the child what they've done, what you've done is wrong, and now you have to face consequences for it. And here's a few whacks on the butt and then get on with life. Hug it out. Get on with life. And and I'm, I'm not trying to be argumentative. I'm trying to find some common ground in in different ways of viewing parenting and, and disciplining. Now, I want to know what you, and I've already kind of joked about it when I first started this interview, and you had a, a statement about praising your children. And I don't remember exactly what it said, and, and I don't have it right in front of me, but you said that praising children is not healthy or there's there's a difference between encouragement and praise. I was wondering if you could just touch on that briefly. The thing we want to be careful about is not to praise our kids um, for every little thing they do, you know, because then they, they grow up and they become praise junkies. They, they, they crave it. They want it. And praise tends to be um, more for the end result. Encouragement and appreciation tends to be more for um, the efforts involved. And it praises kind of what you say. An example is what you say when a child wins a race. They've won, they've, um, and you give them praise like, oh, you're fantastic, great job, blah, blah, blah. But what do you say to the child who doesn't win the race? But has put in a good effort, right? That's where you say, I appreciate your effort. I am um, so thankful that you emptied the dishwasher because now I can start supper or whatever. You focus on the effort involved. Um, and I think kids need a lot of that. They need a lot of, of validation that you love them just for who they are, not for just what they do, but for who they are, that they exist in the world and they're your, your child. Maybe it's a matter of semantics. And, you know, I, I, I think even if parents praise, that's fine. I think punishment is the, the big bad one. So, so you praise your son for finishing the race, but you don't praise him for putting his shoes on to run. Good job. You tied your shoes. Way to go. Well, I would I would do that too, because, you know, um, that's a good thing too. It if gets- they're nine years old, you'd praise them for putting on their shoes. I mean, what I'm hearing, and maybe I'm misunderstanding what you're saying, is you don't praise them for doing things that is just part of life. You don't praise them for brushing their teeth. That's just, no. that's just what you do. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. But look for things that um, I think everybody needs affirmations every day. So look for things when they don't want to do their homework and they actually sit down and start doing it. Those are things we need to notice and say something about because oftentimes we don't. Well, let's go back a little bit to parents who punish their children via spanking, timeout, um, taking away iPad, stuff like that. What is the motivation for parents to do this thing? to do these things because I've observed parents and I'm, 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 I'm a pretty lax father. I I'm not, I'm more in line with your way of doing things when it comes to parenting. But I look at some parents who just impulsively yell or raise their voice with their children when they act up. And I just think you're just, you're just embarrassed. You're, you think that your child is embarrassing you and you need to cover up the child's actions so that you're there. You, we just have this, ingrain uh, fear of sticking out from the crowd. 
And I think that, and I want to get your take on this. Why, why are parents so prone to just lash out at their kids, especially in public? Well, I think there's a lot of judgment that parents feel out there, you know, um, and it's hard. I remember feeling it too. You know, when your child throws a tantrum in the middle of Walmart and everyone's looking at you to see what you're going to do about it and you're, you're feeling that judgment. So your, your primary feeling is embarrassment and anger at the child for acting this way. And, um, you just, you just want to, um, prove that, you know, you're the boss, you're in control. But I think, believe me, I did my share of yelling too. Maybe I didn't spank or didn't punish, but I did yell a lot. Not that I'm proud of it, but hey, no parent's perfect, right? And um, as my kids got older, like into the teen years, I had less to yell about. So when they were in their 20s, I, I said to them, do you remember all the times I used to yell at you when you were young? And thank goodness they didn't remember, <laughs> which is good. But I think why parents punish is because it's quick, it's easy, it's something they know from their childhood, their parents did it, so they do it. And a lot of times they don't know what else to do. And and that's why a lot of parents would benefit from parenting education, like taking a course on how to how to um build relationships with your kids instead of using punishment because research shows that even parents who have university degrees still don't have a lot of parent education or knowledge of child development um especially in the early years something like 43 percent of parents think that a child that's three years old can control their tantrums and their emotions when they can't so it's unrealistic expectations that parents have where if they had more knowledge of child development, brain development, when kids get self-control, they would have more reasonable expectations. A lot of times it's not a discipline issue, it's a development issue. And um, just knowing that maybe your expectations are too much means that, hey, uh, maybe you'll let this one go. That's something that you mentioned in your book is the difference between punishment and discipline. And it, and this is a matter of semantics, but they're very important differences in the etymology of the words. So could you just briefly describe the differences between the two? Because you don't want an, uh, a home where the kids can just do whatever they want whenever they feel like it. And I don't think that that's what you're advocating at all. But what I what I feel like you're advocating is you, and maybe I don't completely understand what you're advocating, but just if you could just give us the difference between disciplining a child and punishing them. When To go back a bit, when you said that we're, we're all somewhat on the same page where we try to control our emotions, teach kids what's wrong, um, and, you know, how a whack in the butt does that. But there are differences. Um so discipline it tends to be proactive, where punishment is reactive. So discipline also includes childproofing, putting things away that are problem issues. Um, for example, my kids between the ages of two and eight used to fight all the time. They were playing board games, fight, fight, fight. Well, I'm just packing them away for a few years. That's discipline. That's proactive where punishment is reactive. It's an automatic 
um, oh, if you swear at me, I'm going to spank you. That's, that's reactive. And it, and let's be honest, most parents do punish out of anger. Not many parents have the self-control to, to calm down and then punish. And if they do, then they can do more discipline, problem solving instead of punishment if they have that level of self-control. Another difference is discipline tends to be very positive. It's focusing on what to do rather than what was done. Um, punishment tends to be negative. Punishment is designed to hurt the child to teach. Discipline is just designed to teach and teach what to do in the future rather than the past. Um, and the biggest one, the biggest reason is if you if you want to teach a child a lesson by spanking or taking away their technology, that does not build the relationship. There is no research out there that shows that punishment builds a parent-child relationship. And that's what parenting is all about these days, especially since we can't control our kids, especially online. We need those lines of communication open. And if you're going to shut them down with punishment, your child's not going to come to you when they need help, you know. Um, and that's a big part of discipline is you are lending your expertise, your experience to your child to help them fix problems. And they are going to come to you when they need help. What are some of the ways that you fostered a healthy environment in your home with just this worldview of discipline over punishment? Well, one of the things we did was we we taught everybody to take a take a time out to get a grip when they're angry or upset. A voluntary time out versus go sit in the corner because I'm angry at you. Yeah. So the person that's angry and wants to punish the other person takes the time out. We did a lot of family meetings um, to sit down and hash out what we're going to do when people's behavior bugs other people especially with five kids and two adults. We had, we're a household of seven people living together. There's a lot of issues that come up. <laughs> we always promoted choices. So when it was time to do chores, um, we gave choice. When it was time to get things, we gave choice in time, that kind of thing. We did a lot of choices. We did a lot of childproofing. So Things that were problem areas, we would put them away, change the environment rather than the person. I even did that with my partner. Other things are to listen. We did a lot of empathetic, active listening. So when people were upset, we would listen to the feelings and validate the feelings, even if we didn't agree with their position. And we would use a lot of I messages. So we would say things like, I'm angry when you take so much time on the computer. The kids had to share a computer for a few years, rather than saying, you're a poopy head. Or you know, rather than name calling, we, we use I language. What kind of language did you say? I language. I language. Okay. Yeah. I feel such and such. I feel, I think, I believe. Yeah. Okay. How do you establish ground rules when it comes to things like video games? Because my son, who's listening to me right now, if I let him have his way, and maybe maybe I'm misunderstanding, maybe I don't know my son as well as I think I do, but he would just play Roblox all day, 
every day, which I don't think is healthy. And, and I feel like it's incumbent on me as his dad to show him if you go outside and get some exercise, it's good for you. And there's always resistance to put the iPad away or the switch and then go outside. But then when he goes outside, he's great. He loves it and he doesn't want to come back in. And I hear what you're saying and I've listened to other parenting experts on, you know, what, how, how to do such and such when it comes to being permissive, but I don't want to be so permissive that he doesn't, that he misses out on the good things in life. How do you uh, establish boundaries? Is it a matter of like sitting down once a month and say, this is how much iPad I think that you should do per day. Do you agree with this? How, how can I go about that? I remember those times too. And you know, that age, absolutely. You, they're going to grumble. And I remember you, you get them outside and then they're, they're happy and then they don't want to come in. I remember those days, but yes, uh, you're absolutely right. You sit down and you hash it out. You, we call this problem solving ongoing things that constantly present problems like screen time. You sit down one child or as a family unit. And you say, here are my concerns. I think you need more exercise and fresh air. I want you to have a whole variety of activities, not just screen time. I worry that, um, you know, your um, eyesight is getting bad. So you list all your concerns and then your child lists all the reasons why they love screen time. Because you want to get them involved in solutions. And you can do this from age five on up. So our this was our primary mode of discipline for all our kids from age five and up. We would problem solve issues. So once you get each other's needs down, then you come up with solutions that work for everybody. You brainstorm. And um, you... Let them come up with solutions first, because once you start talking, they're going to shut down. So, and they got to have some buy-in. They got to see that this works for them, for them to continue to do it with you. So they come up with some solutions. You come up with some solutions. And then you go through each one and say, no, nah, that's not going to work for me. Like, suppose your son says, uh, I want to play games 18 hours a day. Well, <laughs> that's one you're going to say. No, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> and and then um, but he's gonna he's gonna say some of your solutions aren't gonna work for him. And that's okay too. So hopefully you come up with some solutions that work for all of you. Now, in terms of screen time, I do recommend you come up with a family policy that everybody abides to, including you because modeling is also a very powerful discipline tool. So then you write it down and you stick it on the wall and that's your family rules for the next week or two until it doesn't work anymore, right? But it's all, this is all idealistic and it sounds great for a podcast interview, but let's be real here. Like a child who's nine years old can say, okay, I'll agree to two hours of iPad time per day. Mm -hmm. And then tomorrow, well, the two hours comes and goes, and he won't get off the iPad. Right. And he's belligerent and he's grumbling. What do you do in those situations? And that's going to happen. So, but the main point is you sat down with him and problem solved with him as an active participant. 
he's going to remember that. That's good. So the next day, yep, he's going to grumble because, you know, he loves screen time and two hours a day is not enough. You problem solve this. You have this little contract on the wall and you're just going to have to ignore the grumbling because he has a right to express his unhappy emotions and you just enforce it two hours a day. How do you enforce it without punitive action? Well, that's not punitive. He's agreed to this. But he's not abiding by his agreement. Like he's just, he will not. And I, mean, I can take it away from him and just be and show him who's boss. That's contrary to what we're talking about in this conversation. Yeah, but follow through on problem solving is, that's an adult thing, right? You're teaching him how to act as an adult. You're teaching him that if he agrees to the problem solving session, he has to commit to it for a certain amount of time. And I always say, you know, run it for a week, run it for two weeks. If it's not working for some person, and usually it is, we, we've, I can't tell you how many times we rehash bedtimes or we rehash who gets to sit where in the van because it didn't work for one or two people and they're grumbling about it. You're not going to sit down and do this every day, but for that week or two weeks that you're putting it into action, you accept the grumbling, but you enforce it because they agreed to it. And it really helps to get them to sign their name to the agreement too, so they can actually see they agreed. And you're teaching them an adult skill. This is, I know this takes a lot of time. Parents say, well, I don't have time for this. And I say, well, how much time do you spend enforcing a punishment that is negative? You're putting your energy into something negative. This is positive. This is an adult skill. They're going to use problem solving with their future partner, their boss, their <laughs> neighbor, you know. I see my kids in their 20s and 30s now using this with their siblings or their their partners. It's a lifelong skill that's positive. This ties in a little bit to another theme that you've mentioned in your book several times, and that is this concept of bribing children. And what you describe as bribery is for a lot of parents, just that's just how we get kids to do what we want them to do. Uh, we reward them with extra iPad time, for example, or if they do such and such, if they clean their room, then we give them, then we take them out for ice cream or something like that. How, where, where, where is the, where do you draw the line between simply doing nice things with your kids versus giving them nice things as rewards for doing what they should be doing? I give a lot of verbal appreciation to the kids. I do not pay for marks. I do not pay for chores. I do not pay for things that they have to do as normal life expectations. I've been pretty consistent about that all through. Um, and the kids know that. They know not to expect that. <laughs> and then they turn around on me when I ask, you know, what, um, like we, when they, when they say, if I ask them to for example, um, put all these logs in our front yard, in the backyard. And they say, well, what will you give me? My undying love and appreciation. And <laughs> it's kind of funny because they turn it around on me too, right? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, no, I think you, you reward with appreciation and that's it. And that's what kids, the comment I hear from parents is, well, 
getting rewards or getting a paycheck is something that, you know, is part of life. But what I say is that doing something for nothing, for volunteering, is the harder lesson to teach kids. That some things you have to do because you have to do them and you're not going to get anything as a reward. That's something that my son and I just, we just had a discussion today because we have been talking about uh, he's going to be staying with us more than he has for the summer and hopefully hopefully beyond. Uh, but we're talking about chores and di- different jobs that are appropriate for a child his age. And, so, and he just came out out of the blue and he just said, you know what? What my job could be is to take the dog out. And I thought, congratulations, you just gave yourself a job. And so I said, okay, here's the little bag for the dog's poop. And you're, here's how you put on the harness and the leash. And I'm going to show you, we live in an apartment, take him down. This is where you take her. I just showed him the ropes and he, he did it. He did a good job. And he finished and he said, okay, how much are you going to pay me? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not going to pay you anything because this is your job. I said, how about I give you three meals a day and a place to sleep? And he just looked at me like, hmm, that's not what I had in mind, dad. We literally had this conversation within an hour of us getting on this call. Great. Good for him. That's a mm-hmm. nine-year-old entrepreneur there. But uh, yeah, you have to. Uh, <laughs> and you could respond by, you know what you get? You get the pleasure of pet ownership. This, there you go. Right? Because right. when my kids say, if they said to me, oh, how much are you going to pay me to read this book for my book report? I'm like, right. you get the pleasure of education. <laughs> right. And the other thing I wanted to mention is if you... If you don't pay for things like that and you don't punish your kids, you're building that strength of a relationship, want to do things to please you. You will see that in the teen years. You'll say, oh, do you think you could do me a favor and run this to the post office? And then we'll do it because you have a good relationship and you mm-hmm. don't punish them. Right. Hey, hey, Gabriel, you, you were asking about how much I'm going to pay you to take the dog out. You get the joy of pet ownership. How's that sound? He's not too enthused about that. <laughs> uh, he'll get it. He'll come around. Don't worry. Yes, he will. <laughs> and you got to recognize, too, that um, kids, you know, up until the age of 13, they don't want to do your stuff. They want to grumble about it. And that's just part of parenting. You be consistent, you keep it up, you listen to the grumbling, but it still has to be done. And yeah, and then in the teen years, they'll do it without grumbling. One objection that I don't know if it's like something that was a sticking point for me personally, but something that I could see is a sticking point for a lot of people is look at the world around us. You go to school and there's punishment. It's a very punitive society. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a litigious society. You raise a child without thinking that there are consequences for your actions and you you, you look at somebody wrong and all of a sudden you're in court uh, giving an answer to a judge. Why did you do this? I don't know because I was just, I just felt like being friendly and I, and I'm making up a scenario, but it's such a punitive society in which we live. How do you uh, like, and you, and you have experience with this. So how does, your children react or how do they adjust to this society, which is very harsh 
after their experience in your household. Oh, there's punishment all around. And just because you don't punish doesn't mean that your child's not going to experience punishment at school or from the soccer coach or from their friends as parents. I remember when one son, he was he was probably about 11 and he was spitting off a Ferris wheel at a at a park. <laughs> and uh, I was horrified. But uh, as soon as we got off, the the ride operator handed him a bottle and a cloth and said, you clean that seat. And, and I was backing away. I said, we'll wait over here. I was going to stop that. And the rest of the world is going to give your child punishments and consequences. And as a good parent, you shouldn't interfere in that. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to punish because you are building a lifelong relationship with your child and you have the time to teach them problem solving and invest in adult skills. You the rest of the world's not going to be around to see your child as a teenager or adult. Um, they don't care. But you do. You're building that relationship and you want to invest in it. Yeah, the third grade teacher, they just have this issue of they need law and order in their classroom in that moment. And the and their student, one of twenty eight students is acting up. Well they're just they have just they just have to take care of business because they have a job to do. Right. But the school year ends. Goodbye, uh, Miss So and So, and maybe I'll see you around the hallways next year. But they're never going to interact with that kid in any meaningful way again. And so you're saying that my approach as the father of my son, it has to be very different because, well, I'm going to be his father until death do us part. Yeah, I think people forget that the parent-child relationship is a love relationship, and in love relationships, there's no room for punishment. Um, I think. Our divorce rate, and um, I've been divorced, I'm on my trophy husband now, but um, I think our very high divorce rate is because kids learn to punish their loved ones or they get punishment from their loved ones in those primary relationships in the family training ground. They learn to punish siblings, they learn to punish their parents back, and that's simply not a good way to build lifelong love relationships is to punish each other. Problem solving is a much more useful tool. So, okay. So you're saying that if a child is punished when they're, when they're growing up, they'll get married and they take the same tactics with their spouse. And that, and what were you saying with that? Well, um, maybe not spanking, obviously. Well, of course not. <laughs> but, but punitive action, like you made me angry and I'm going to punish you somehow with, with, I'm going to withhold sex from you. We do. We, we withhold sex. We don't talk to them for a few days. We're, we're punishing them. We're, we're not making a meal. We, we punish in, in various ways and we don't naturally just take a time out, calm down and then come back and start problem solving with our partners. Maybe we do that on day four, but that's way too long. You know, we, that's not our first instinct. And and same with kids and siblings, you know, their, their first instinct is to hit each other or name call or be mean to each other when really they're often fighting over issues and they need 
skills on how to work out those issues with their loved ones. All right. Well, I had this whole list of questions that I wanted to ask you, and I think I got through the whole list. This is this is good. I, I do have one final question, and you have 135 tools for raising caring, responsible children without timeout, spanking, punishment, or bribery. What is the most obscure tool of those 135? Oh, obscure. You've never been asked this, have you? No, I have yes. never been asked that before. You have been asked every single question I've asked thus far. I finally stumped you. <laughs> oh, boy. Take a shot at it. What is the most obscure tool that we would never think of is for uh, parenting? I would say um, having a favorite kid day. Oh, favorite kid day. Yes, but make sure all your kids have one. Okay. <laughs> you know, where they get to rule the day and and it gives them control and power and you know they get first choice on the computer they get the favorite toy they get the favorite meal they get to go where they want and the siblings stay home and is that does that apply to the entire family or is it just like you as the mother have, take uh, one of your children out and they they get to call the shots or is it like across the board it applies to the whole family I say whatever the family wants. Like if okay. they want, um, if they all want to participate in it, then you know, okay. usually the siblings don't want to, but the parents do. The sibling, the siblings will go along with it because they know they get their fifteen minutes of fame eventually. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, we have been speaking with Judy Arnall. I will have the show notes with her books. We'll also have the episode that we just recently did on unschooling at jamesdnewcomb.com forward slash Judy2, J-U-D-Y, and the number two. And the book is Discipline Without Distress, 135 Tools for Raising Caring Responsible Children Without Timeout, Spanking, Punishment, or Bribery, available on Amazon. And of course, if you type in that URL that I just gave, you'll see it there as well. Judy, it's been wonderful. I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and insights on both on unschooling a couple of weeks ago and here on unparenting. So it's been great. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I just want to mention, too, you can get the book from any bookstore okay. anywhere in the world if you want. You don't have to. Um, get it from Amazon too. So if you want to support your local neighborhood bookstore, you can get it there too. But thank you, James. I, I loved your uh, your uh, real situations with your son. And yeah, thank you for having me. I'm just glad I was able to stump you. It's like <laughs> every question I've asked, oh, I get that all the, oh, come on, finally got you. All right. Thanks, Judy. <laughs> thank you. Talk to you later. I hope you enjoyed the show. I want you to discover the energia that is within you that will allow you to accomplish great and mighty things on this earth. To learn more about the show and to connect with like-minded individuals, go to the web at energia.live. That's E-N-E-R-G-E-I-A dot L-I-V-E. Energia.live. Thank you for listening.